0: Ladies and gentlemen, we're back for the second part of our look at the selected films of the Swana Film Festival. Uh, previously we took a closer look at two films um, Rosa by uh, Suha Araj and uh, Sophie Sabet's film uh, Though I'm Silent, uh, I Shake. And now we're going to take a closer look at two other films uh, the, the first of which is called The Wall or in uh, Arabic I would imagine Al Height by Odette mm. Maklouf which is actually a little older than some of the films here this is actually a film uh, officially released in 2012 and
1: mm.
0: it's, it's a Lebanese film, it's, it's kind of a documentary, I, I, I feel that in, in some parts it's, it's a little more than that, like maybe this it is it's a little fictionalised or it kind of veers more towards mm-hmm. the mockumentary mm-hmm. side but, but I'll explain a bit more of that yeah. as we go along so the synopsis, the official synopsis of the film is that the wall of the film's title is steel-reinforced poured concrete. During wartime, it protected its building's inhabitants from shelling. Through casual but intimate interviews with the individuals who remember the wall as a safe haven, catch paints a fond and amusing... Oh, sorry. catch Why am I saying catch here?
2: Yeah? Is it... Makluf? Maclouf it, it should
0: be it I don't know to... why yeah
2: yeah ah,
0: the... Morecatch I think is the the cinematographer Pierre oh, okay. uh, it says here M-O-U-A-R-K-E-C-H so I, I just pronounced ah. it as Morecatch, but I'm almost certain that that's not entirely correct either so Pierre if you fancy mm. uh, correcting us uh, feel free to get in touch but for now I think we'll go with morecatch uh, slash Maklouf paints a fond mm. and amusing portrait of a group of people who became a sort of family, creating intense camaraderie out of disaster. As ever, the writer and director mm. we, we will go to the, the uh, credits list very briefly. The writer and director is Odette uh, Maklouf uh, is produced by Emil Slailati and uh, Gingerberry Productions. We mentioned earlier Pierre Murkech as uh, the cinematographer. Edited by both mm. uh, Pierre and uh, Nadim Shartouni. The composer is Nadim Mishlawi. Sound design was by Rana Eid. And art director was Fadia Mukarzel. So, mm. so yeah, so that's a, a quick rundown of that. Um, I'm, I, I have my own thoughts and feelings on this particular film. I had quite a number of quotes that I thought would be quite interesting to mm-hmm. go through. But for now, um, Esa, uh, just some thoughts from you. Again, a, do, a, a kind of documentary in a way. Um how how do you feel about this? What are your thoughts?
2: I think initially I I can also I already imagine it's gonna be very personal documentary and mm. it's the, also gonna be family oriented because of the shot of the film where three people are sent interviewed at the same time with a long uh, or a longer shot or medium shot where we can see where they are and As the title is The Wall, I already assume that they are actually sitting in front of the wall, which is true because they start, I think that they infer it as well where initially they like kemas kemas the area, uh, like giving an an, an insight of uh, probably this is the wall that they're talking about. And I think uh, a few interesting points that I like or things that I kind of feel like okay that's that's interesting of how the I would say how meta the film is where you can they intentionally uh, put in the crew at times where you know the mic to masuk sekali in the shot and then like how (laughs) uh, how they in the classic classic uh, documentary uh, meta uh, technique and then how um uh the crew with the clapper boy and how actually the um um how see the the person that they interview one of it I can't remember her name but she casually just talks about her tiramisu that she just made and mm. actually offer offer it to the crew. Tiramisu <laughs> so lady I like, okay this they they yeah? <laughs> And then, uh, it occurs to me like, wow, this, the, the, I think one thing in making documentary is to make the interviewee, the person that you're going, you interviewing, uh, comfortable with you and they can open up and they can just, you know, talk freely and, and share their stories and some people just intimidated when the camera is on, but, but they, I would say these people or the people that, um, or that, Interview in this room are very comfortable with her. Perhaps it's because she is also part of the part of the family, or she grew up in that household. Mm. So the the stories that was uh, that is shared also very. It, it, it feels like macam your makcik-makcik just, you know, membawa at you. Like, makcik-makcik just telling you stories. And it, it's, it's interesting to look at the, di- di- the dynamic of the, uh, of the, of the family. Because uh, in the firm, um, the wall connecting them, uh, sharing... Uh, so, basically, they live in the first floor, second floor, third floor. So, they share this wall where um be, because during the war and um this war protects them so they share this war and that day they, they hold on to it they all of them like really uh, seek refuge uh, from this war so everyone or every family that uh, talks in this documentary share a different uh, take about um about about the, their experience with the war and one thing uh, hits me that like this is a firm that is recollecting the memories of war how can this be these people be be like very like uh, uh, i think very casual about it and at the same time it looks like they moved on but they don't really but they kind of move on uh, mm. because the way that they, they, they share they seem so happy with their family and, and when they speak about the war they, they become a bit somber a bit macam sedih so so it, it they they uh the filmmaker or the film managed to show the facade of this this very three dimensional person where you had you will be happy in talking about your kids and your family and at the same time reminiscing about the war and and one thing that uh the uh, one one scene where it sound like bomb bombing outside and to me I got shocked I'm like oh, is this happening Are they filming mm. this during the war? But then like oh the barulah the character said oh did you hear that That's that's just thunder, it's raining. So I mean like wow I was in I still believe that war is happening just by them talking about uh talking about the film and. I think I at the end of the film it it uh it turned me off a bit because like I'm like they <laughs> because I already understood <coughs> sorry the character as being real characters uh, macam, uh like they are real people telling real stories and then they have this like uh sort of fiction uh fiction style, much um fiction style scene to it where. Uh, when they want to, you know, throw down the the wall and and mm. all the people just now, it feels like they're they're acting. Everything is in slow mo. So I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. probably. I I respect I respect that if that's the decision that the filmmaker made to just emphasize on the drama of the um the wall mm. but yeah, I think that that pulled me out me out a bit lah. but other than that it's 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 a great film I think to be honest
0: yes I would agree with you and I I kind of want to just add in more on, on the last Mm-mm. bit so for the listeners who have not seen the, the film again so throughout the whole film it's, mm. it's like a documentary so it's the, 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 again fixed frame single camera uh, in, in a way and the camera is placed right in front of the, the subject matter and then there's plenty of head space mm. that would allow you to see the background <coughs> Uh, in a very clear way, so you have the characters seated mm. on the sofa, and then you will also see because of the very wide shot uh, that they do mm. work with, you will also see much of the pictures hung on the wall, for instance, uh, or, the, or other stuff maybe um, in, in the, at the in, on the table next to the sofa, and all these kind of things. So there's plenty that that is very quite consistent in terms of the style. There's plenty mm. that is actually quite consistent from nearly the start of the film to nearly the end of the film but what mm-hmm. as I was talking about earlier is that when they eventually wanted to break down the wall mm-hmm. they, it was incredibly cinematic you know some parts were in slow motion the music helped to build up a, a bit more of the feeling as well and then you started to see all the other characters that we had seen before in this particular film being interviewed for this particular uh, event they, they would come out from the homes and then they would actually look maybe from the front uh, of, of their door or maybe from the balcony if they're on the mm. second or the third floors of the building and whatnot. And and the whole thing I, I wrote down here, um, it just uh, it, it's just a little too polished. like It feels more like mm. a corporate video or an advert rather than the mm. raw retelling of history that I thought it had been all this while. And so on this point, Ezra, this is what I, I said earlier mm. about me wondering mm. whether this is actually a documentary or maybe it's a mockumentary like, mm. what, what is your take on this particular film can you say that this is a film that I, I think it's, it's probably like a, a fiction film in a way perhaps I mean not to say that the um, the, the subject matter is fake maybe it is maybe it's not but, but all this while perhaps we've been watching a fiction film um, but it's, uh, it's it's not really a documentary uh, what, what, what are your thoughts on the matter
2: uh initially, I definitely feel like it's it's a mockumentary Sebab due mm. of due to this this the final scene, but but I think um, I would still classify it as a documentary, mm. because the percentage of <laughs> the shots and um of of the storytelling of a documentary, but yeah, I mean it's really it's i don't think it's fiction per se but there were moments where i feel like oh okay hmm is this am i investing this as a like is this a documentary film it got me thinking a bit but at the end i i uh, decided that okay this is a documentary <laughs> okay
0: yeah. yeah i i kind of went another way uh ah, because okay. i feel that but um is probably more of a mockumentary that that last bit that mm-hmm. last i know you're right in terms of percentages the the majority mm-hmm. is probably real real in in, in quote-unquote terms but mm-hmm. the ending made me feel like it's actually not quite as real as i thought it might have been so mm-hmm. so in that sense i so much i um, i felt a little cheated i must admit i, I felt mm-hmm. a little let down by the ending which is not to say mm-hmm. that this is the feeling, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, that you guys should have if ever you get mm-hmm. a chance to watch this film. It's just that, you know, there was that lack of consistency in the tone
1: mm-hmm. and
0: approach uh, that, that the ending brought about that kind of made me feel a little uh, underwhelmed or maybe disappointed, mm-hmm. perhaps. So, but, but, you know, again, perhaps that's the director's intention to kind of play around with the, the boundaries of what is real and what is not. Um, mm. But what, what I did I did enjoy the film However I mean From, from the beginning to the end There's plenty to talk about uh, you, mm. you mentioned uh, Something about How the war Brought the community together There's a line mm. here that says that It will bring all our neighbours Together in our home and, mm. and So there was that Surprising communal purpose Of course You know People wanted to stay alive But that Even though this is actually Not quite connected uh, I'm actually mm. working On something Looking at television And football so, mm. so television kind of works in the same way. In in certainly back in the day, nowadays not as much because nowadays a lot more people have more television and more in, in Malaysia Astro subscription uh, to, mm-hmm. the, to in their own homes and whatnot. So, the and of course with COVID nineteen and everything, people just don't get into the communal sense of watching football together. Um, but even before COVID-19, even though a lot of people would watch it at the Mama, not as many, I mean, a fair number of people would watch it at home as well. But way mm. back in the day, we're looking at the example I'm thinking of right now, which is when Nigeria won the Olympic gold in 1996. I think in that, that's oh. a context where they were under uh, a kind of military leadership at the time, which not everybody was mm-hmm. particularly happy about. So, mm-hmm. so the, the, the general mood of the country is not one that was particularly positive. Uh, mm. the Nigerian team at the Olympics uh, you know it was a good team it had a lot of uh, wonderful players um, and, but you know like Wanko Kwanu uh, JJ Okocha and quite a number of others uh, as well
1: Mm-mm. Um, Mm-mm.
0: but it, it wasn't necessarily expected to go all the way and, and to win the whole uh, competition per se mm. so it was uh, a surprising success but in that context this is where you know it was broadcast back home but not everyone would have a television in the house so people mm. would crowd the homes of others who do so macam like, you know you have a, a, a row of houses out of the 10 houses mm-hmm. only maybe one or two people would have a television so the whole kampong mm. would come along and okay. <laughs> just macam like, um, go, to to go to the to the to the houses of those who have TV and then there'll be 30, mm-hmm. 40 people inside the living room oh, macam, duduk wow duduk duduk kat depan tengok TV orang-orang dewasa macam if you get the seats and whatnot. not good luck to you mm-hmm. kalau tak ramai in TV tengok you know and, and the mm-hmm. TV bukanlah macam what we have now like the 64 inch ke apa ke <laughs> or, or the <laughs> the wall to wall 4K 8K full high-divid this is just a normal mm-hmm. midnight 90s kind of TV you know so mm-hmm. but but in this context people come together and and this there is this um, sense of community um, it's, it's mm. quite interesting uh, to note how in that context something like that would happen so whenever I think of something communal in somebody else's house that will bring like the rest of the kampung together it is not mm. a wall I would think mm. of maybe a radio ke, macam, you know coming from my from, from my context of, of teaching more towards communications mm. and mass media and whatnot that's what I would think mm. of lah but Mm-mm. but looking at this, uh, the the effect I see is similar in in a way, but the process is very different. You know, um, mm. of people coming together for a wall and doing safe? it to stay safe. So I thought that was pretty cool. It kind of widened my perspective um, more than just a little bit. So I I greatly appreciated that. Um, and then you know people coming together in that context. There was also one part where one of the one of the persons on screen, Uncle Halim. He said, we used to pray to mm. God, the Lord, Muhammad, Jesus, we wouldn't leave a prophet. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I think in the context, like, hey, just,
2: really, prayed.
0: Exactly, man. Cover our bases, just in case of anything. <laughs> and if anyone out there, and we mean anyone out there, well, you know, come help us. <laughs> mm. So I thought that was quite funny, in a way. Um, mm. And it and was also, you know, it's, it's also quite funny, like... The when they when the filmmaker interviewed her mom, uh mm. and then when the title came on the screen to introduce who this person is, all the other persons they have their names. But for this person it's just mom, the location there <laughs> across the street. <laughs>
1: so it's just mom across the street.
0: It just it's just again, uh, a contrast that, that, mm. that made it feel more than just a little funny. And mm-hmm. I, I greatly appreciate it as well. I I I like all this uh, but kind of mockumentary style kind of comedies like The Office or, uh, there's uh, this is one British film I can't remember now the title it's a political comedy uh, kind of film I um, can't remember the title now for some reason but we'll, we'll include it in the, in the mm. show notes so that listeners will have an idea mm. of what I'm talking about but again that kind of documentary <laughs> where like sebenarnya orang but um you know nampak macam ada orang kat situ do you know what I mean um,
1: so yeah, it, it, yeah, they yeah, break I the fourth wall
0: so something like the Modern Family mm-hmm. went on right so kind of um, mm-hmm. a documentary verite or, or cinema verite in a documentary documentary sense because so it's, it's a mockumentary mm-hmm. in, in, for all intents and purposes but but basically there mm-hmm. was a bit of the element that I, I felt came through in my appreciation mm-hmm. or my understanding of this particular uh, film so so that's that um the rest, I think, you know, there's one part where, again, Uncle Halim talks about how nothing ever changes in Lebanon with the killing, the fighting, and making wars. And this was on his son, Lelo, joining the military effort. Mm.
1: Um,
0: and this is the thing, I mean, some of the other characters uh, also said, like, um, they don't like the idea of the wall being torn down. Uh, and the mm. mother even said, that, what if things go back again? Where would they hide? And I think on some level, it kind of suggests a bit of that um, aftermath of, of going through such a traumatic experience. We mentioned just mm. now in in the previous episode where we looked at apa, Film eh the the poem by is it Rose-
2: Rosa.
0: No not Rosa. Uh, ah I forgot the title of the poem now. <laughs> Sleep Study Number oh, Three or something at the end. Um yep. Hala Alian I think the, the, the poet is Hala mm-hmm. Aliyan and in her poem mm-hmm. I felt like there was a bit of that PTSD element i think there's a Mm. bit of that here as well and i think we kind of kind of connected to uh what you mentioned earlier macam the thunder you know the Mm. the lady was just macam doesn't it sound like bombs you know it was the sound Mm. of thunder but it kind of really made you felt that oh my goodness (laughs) um something's going to happen here so true so i you know i I felt that perhaps for some people there's a bit of that ptsd element um
2: Mm-hmm. But, but
0: having said that, putting putting all of my um, apa, uh, negative thoughts aside about this film
1: mm-hmm. Overall, it's
0: mm-hmm. actually quite quite fun to watch I, I really liked it And, and like, as I mentioned just now, even on some level It really helped to give me a slightly different perspective That I wouldn't have had otherwise
2: True Okay, wala la Just
1: All
0: right, for the fourth and final film that we're going to be taking a closer look at in this particular look at the selected films of the Swana Film Festival is Nora's Claw by Isra El-Kogali Hakstrom. And this is a film officially uh, is identified here as a Sudanese, Swedish and Norwegian film which I think is quite an interesting collection of countries to be listed as the country of production for a particular film. Uh, I don't know about you, but I don't tend to come across uh, such co-productions. But nevertheless, and and this is actually, out of all four films, it is actually the shortest, but I think there's also quite a fair amount that we can sink our teeth into, right? So this film, uh, or documentary in a way, it, it featured Sudanese women in Sudan, Norway, and Sweden. Who were interviewed between twenty twelve and twenty thirteen, looking at how they work with specific clothing uh, like uh, tarha, which is actually spelled as T A R seven A. So I I just on screen that's how it's spelled, but again it kind of caught me out there because the number seven too much um. But basically that's yeah
2: I think yeah that's from where I understand if um. Like, same with, sometimes you, you see the word, they use the E, terbalik, or E, capital E, terbalik or not. It's, it's the, represent the, the alphabet, Arabic alphabet, Ain. So, this is Ha, the alphabet Ha in Arabic alphabet. So, that's Tarha. Right. So, you cannot, uh, you, can, you can use the word, the, the uh, letter H, it'll be Tarha. Mm. Uh, or depends on where you want to say it But uh, those who speak Arabic Or those who want to say Probably give justice to the word from Sudan Ataupun the Arabic word Tarha So they're gonna That's why they use the word Seven That's why I understand So from here uh, <coughs> uh, Initially I understood But I I am not uh, confident to say the word But then when watching the film They said Tarha So ha kind of the ha and ha in the arabic i'm not mm. sure whether this translate or not but the ha is the seven to huruf ha. huruf
1: oh, that. in the
2: alphabet letter that's brilliant <laughs> so, thank you so much fun. for that
0: <laughs> ladies yeah. and gentlemen we You're all so learned welcome. something huh? at least you mm-hmm. know at least in my case maybe you guys already know back home listening to this wherever whenever you may be in the world but i think for me certainly looking at this in this context I, I certainly did not think about it in that way um, so thank mm. you Ezra for widening my perspective it feels like, like I think it's the number that kind of like or the, the the you know the alphabet or the letter that looks like the number <laughs> because I'm tempted to read seven as seven right? but uh, <laughs> I think it's like the I think the Brazilians I think it's the Brazilians I might be wrong here mm. on this but the Brazilians if they message people and they want to say haha or laugh out loud, they do.
1: Uh-huh.
0: They, they choose the number five.
1: Oh, because the, the number five, five?
0: in in uh-huh. the Brazilian in in the Portuguese language, as as uh, uh-huh. uh, as used or as uh, practiced on a daily basis in Brazil, uh-huh. it's like Q or something like that uh, or something like that. So uh-huh. if we say five 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 over and over again, it's like you are laughing. It sounds like you are laughing. So, oh. so sometimes, if you, I don't know, I think this is probably only something you you see if you check out, like, um footage of Brazilian football online, and then you see the comments, and then there's a lot of fives, oh. <laughs> uh, oh, there's um, a lot of fives, oh, yeah. I might be wrong here. Mm-hmm, I, I think mm-hmm. it might not be Brazil, but but there is a certain language out there that use the number five, as uh mm-hmm. So, but if you're if you're an English speaker or an English-centric um, person, of course, you're going to look at that and think, what's mm-hmm. with all these fives? But in another context, it's actually... <laughs> so... lah. <laughs> <so,
2: yeah. laughs> okay. Yeah, isn't it great? great. Oh, tadi, I, 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 I remember, it's not E uh, terbalik, it's the letter 3. So, letter 3 tu, macam huruf AIN. So, some people, uh, huruf AIN, di bunyi A. Ah. So, in my, my name in Arabic is spelled with that too. So, sepatutnya, azza not Iza, i think <laughs> but that's so hard to hmm. pronounce in arabic so instead of saying azah you just say Izzah. so yeah that's another so they use letter like, to represent arabic um letters that is probably will when we spell we don't get that sound
0: uh Iza. Um, have I been saying? Have I been saying, not, have I been saying your name wrong, uh, incorrectly I mean, for ten years? I've been
2: saying my name. <laughs> <laughs> I've been saying my name wrong all my life. So, because okay, so I realized, I my mother told me that in the book it's E Z Z H, so you make the E sound. So that's why it's not Ezra; it's Iza. But I think I'm I'm also used to calling myself Aza or Iza, so yeah you can hmm. call me Iza. <laughs> so hmm. I hear a lot of people call me Aza. And Iza. Yeah, um, I know, but, but it's a little it, disconcerting
0: the, it, to get it wrong all the same. Sorry, can you say that again? What what, what how are we supposed to call you?
2: <laughs> call me Iza.
0: No, that's uh, not what like you said I, just now.
2: The... <laughs> what you, you
0: said Iza just now, right?
2: uh the aza. the the ajaan. Uh, if you want to romanize it, is a z z a h. Uh, but a apostrophe. How right. you say a- aisha? So you say, they cannot use the a i lah aisha can. So mm. use the a sound. So it's A-Z-A. Uh, But that's a bit intense. <laughs> it it is
0: pretty intense. You're
2: right. <laughs> <laughs> but in <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I remember like One Arabic speaker Called my name I'm like Is that how you say it? Like I initially The first time I heard it I Was like Oh That's that's because She's an Arabic speaker So when she reads my name yeah, She said it in a way That With full affirmation And I'm Like okay I've been I've been saying my, my name wrong But I think I think that's how My parents call me And it I still understand The meaning Of it being of what it is lah, uh, Isa. So you can call me Isa, Eza I'm I'm happy with <laughs> my name. So yep, there you go.
0: <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Uh, I think I might just stick to Iza, uh because I yeah. feel much um. But not To be honest with you, I should call you Isa. I mean, if that's how it's supposed <laughs> to be pronounced. But you're right because if I say it that way, so much um. I'm telling you off or something, but. But in reality, maybe I'm just offering you some tea. Like, Isa, like, what? I, would you like this cap from the British Grand Prix of 2018? For well, instance. You know, <laughs> uh, yeah, anyways, um, thank you so much for that. that. Oh my goodness, ladies and gentlemen, we, we learned a lot today. Uh, TWL, today we learned. Um, not just I, <laughs> but we. Um, yep. but yes. Uh, we will, let's get back to this because we are supposed to talk yes. about Nora's Cloth by Isra El-Kagali Hakstrom. I think I'm pronouncing it mm. correctly there as well um, so we're looking at that um, and, and basically it's, it's just it's actually not very long about 8 minutes uh, in duration mm. and it's just like an interview of I think 3 people maybe 4 I, I mm. think just 3 perhaps mm. of people just working with these traditional pieces of clothing that Sudanese women mm. wear either they wrap around their body or they, they wrap it around their head. So, macam agak It's like a Malaysia, kan? Or wearing the hijab, and all this kind of stuff. Um, I, I quite like it in many respects because it offers a, mm. a viewpoint that kind of diverges slightly from the contemporary perspective. So, because you, mm. you look at um, a lot of... Uh, at least two, two of the women who interacted with it in a way that, that some people... I think maybe my mother will would, 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 if she watched this video, she will be like shaking her head a bit Like, um,
1: mm-hmm. like one girl,
0: if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. uh, she she uses it the tarha as as mm-hmm. as a just in case scarf. So you're mm-hmm. out with your friends, you're chilling, and then suddenly you know the police is walking by and say like, oh, we have to cover our hair again, you know. So you just uh-huh. have that. So just in case mm-hmm. you need it, you, ta mm-hmm. you have it right. So she call it. This is how she describe it. You just slap it on And boom Instant modesty And I just love that term Instant modesty mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. For Again, for those of you Who may not be particularly aware uh, You know, Muslim women In many contexts around the world Are often mm-hmm. In the social sense Um uh, I guess they're subjected to such, certain uh, pressures from different groups of people to mm-hmm. say that, "Kalau kita pakai tudung, kalau kita tutup aurat, ke, apa ke?" And this is considered to be a part of the, you cover the aurat and whatnot. Mm-hmm. If you don't do that, mm-hmm. you are being immodest. You are you are kind of, macam
2: mm-hmm.
0: menayangkan diri ke, dun- ke seluruh dunia or something like that, lah.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. So
0: I I I'm, I'm not necessarily saying it's right or wrong, but I'm saying that that's the perspective that exists. Um, mm-hmm. So this this kind of stuff is seen as covering your modesty. Uh, but I just mm. never came across the term instant modesty. <laughs> instant
1: modesty <laughs> right.
0: It feels like one minute you are being very immodest. <laughs> and then the next minute is boom Assalamualaikum <laughs> <laughs> brother. <laughs> so yeah, I, I thought that's, that's pretty that. cool. that's pretty cool. And in fact, I'm reminded of this because when she said that, I'm reminded of some friends of mine. Um, they're only nakal sikit lah in a, in a sense again in, in <laughs> the, the Malay slash Muslim context of Malaysia um, Malays and Muslims are not allowed to go drinking and apa semua ni lah, kan? Um, at Mm-mm-mm. least in, in a conventional sense right they're the social convention kapaka. so I, I've had friends in the past too they, they will still go out you know um, and go and, and drink and go clubbing kapaka. and apa and on the way back tu <laughs> macam ada roadblock kapaka, kan? And what they would do is, uh, some of them, they would keep like, a songko, uh, a kopiah, ketayak ke ke. They would simpan dekat the glove box compartment. They turn the corner, mm. oh my goodness, there's the roadblock. Quick, quick, put on the songko. You know, <laughs> so when they, by the time your car would roll up to the roadblock, you wind down the windows and then these, the police would, you know, flash the flashlight in, in your face like, <laughs> you know? And then, of course, the police would be like, you know, they're not going to stop your car, for sure. <laughs> so, they just... Yeah, you know you get, you get past that no problems mm-hmm. so so I think I'm reminded of that as well I mean I just never thought of it as instant modesty but but yeah. you know I think people work with this uh, with this uh, pieces of clothing and, and, and whatnot mm-hmm. um, in different ways so so that's that but the next part I kind of want a bit more of your perspective because there's uh, there's uh, an academic research conducted on this certainly uh, from a number of years ago 2012 2013 mm-hmm. number, by Sandra mm-hmm. Oshel look at the veil in a very different way because from a more western perspective if you say somebody is covering up either with the hijab or the veil uh, yeah, yeah. it's often seen as something that limits your, your power it is something that's seen as uh, trotting a women's rights but, but yeah. Sandra Hosho worked with, with, the, with the idea of the veil in a more emancipatory fashion so it is seen. Mm. You wear the hijab, it is not necessarily seen as a form of oppression. It is seen more as a form of empowerment and emancipation, depending on who you are and and uh, what you do mm. with it. So I think, as a, I think, from from my perspective, certainly I in all the mm. time I I have known you, you have always covered up um, mm. and whatnot. i literally have never seen your hair. Um, so I think in this <laughs> in this case. Yep. Um, I just wondered, at least for yourself, mm. uh, and perhaps we can get a, mm. a better idea uh, in the context in relation to the film as well. How important is the hijab and other such items to your sense of identity and empowerment?
2: I mean, it is definitely a very big role, I would say. I remember started wearing the hijab when I was 15. I think mean, throughout when I was 14, much on and off, pergi sekolah saja, and dekat rumah dekat, dekat luar tak pakai but in, uh, when i was 15 i really make the conscious decision to to wear it full time outside mm. and um, initially it's just uh, it's just is it coming of age i feel like say, oh it's about time and i'm uh, i'm starting to transition from childhood to adolescent and start to be a remaja and mm. and it is definitely uh grow with uh, understanding because i start to understand about the din the religion more and that's how it all started and until today definitely hijab is obviously because of <clears throat> it is uh, it is my um uh, reflection and also uh, i really carry it as an identity uh mm. as a muslim woman here in malaysia but i think it's not as um sometimes i remember when i was in the uk still there are people like staring giving a look tapi macam in malaysia it's that's not the case because uh, because a lot of people here just i mean it's it's uh, it's a norm here and and yeah. because we a majority muslim country and it's accepted that way so it's it's easier and i can only imagine and uh, empathize with people who probably live a minority in their community and they wear hijab. And I think definitely agree with Sandra Hoshi's research um, about the veil and hijab, or in Malaysia we call it tudung lah,
1: mm.
2: uh, or uh, and some people call it kerudung. Or probably tudung is the is from the word kerudung, mm. uh, where uh, I'm not sure in Indonesia they call it tudung kapukah. But anyway. So it is a form of empowerment and emancipation, whereby um, I am not. Uh, I feel like, macam uh, there's more to me than just under my job, lah, mah, I do So there's there's more of me that you can understand and and analyze and analyze, eh? Not analyze. It's more of like, macam, some. Oh, I can. Uh, probably you can see me more than just a hijabi there's more under this pieces of cloth than just a cloth lah hmm. macam how i will interact with you probably how what my thoughts are things that i want you to know more about me and stuff that is not um it's not it's not uh it's not apparent just by not wearing a tudung if that makes sense, my hmm. son. So there, there's a mystery to it, and and yeah, I agree that it, it does give me empowerment. It does feel, I feel stronger um, with hijab in a way that uh, it 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 feels. I mean, obviously, after years of just wearing tudung, you feel comfortable. It it's you don't you don't get the messy hair day you know I I don't remember when's the last time that I even kisah about how my <laughs> hair would look like that's outside fantastic
1: absolutely
2: like in, um, that's 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 no bad hair day it's just bad tudung day sometimes it doesn't as, it doesn't be as <laughs> what's what,
0: what is the bad <laughs> day bo-
2: Sometimes the, the, the bulat or the muncung is not nice enough. It's the sini cause you don't iron it at night as well. So but that was the this was before when Tudong Tudong Bawal was a thing where you need to get it like muncung and like nicely curved, tak ah. and whatnot. But now most of the shawl is just <laughs> yeah. most of the the shawl is just easily applied and ada yang instant lah so it's 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 easier lah. now these people are getting creative with designing a hijab and mm. yeah I, I, yeah when i watched noras clothes it it got me thinking on about a different perspective like like what what uh, or being not not being judgmental towards these people probably simply because they are in a, a different circumstances, uh, they experience different, they, they, they probably started wearing hijab or um, experience it differently, probably not as comfortable as uh, we in Malaysia or probably, I don't know, there's a lot of empathy towards this uh this subject matters and and i don't really know personally about any anyone from sudan and share their experience about probably the uh how how is it perceived or how uh, tarha is macamna people in sudan wear it? ke apa. Mm. so it really give if give an out and uh i would say outlook like myself a, a perspective of of where these people are from
0: okay very good thank you very much for that perspective it's thank certainly you. something that is quite uh good i certainly do not think about i mean i know that in terms of bad heritage and whatnot it's not something that as many people uh, are concerned about uh, you know or wearing hijab and whatnot um I didn't think about bad tudung days, so I, I honestly did not think about that. But yeah, so you're right. Of course, there are, I see a number of people working with elaborate styles. And it's got to take some time to get it right, kan? So, so that must be the element there, yeah. But um, yeah, that's good. Just one note. You said something about, um, you don't know what it's called in Indonesia. My understanding is that certainly the people I, I'm Indonesia, around with, yeah. they will call it hijab. Um. In, in, a, in a more general sense but other, other groups of people oh, okay. can, can call it different things I should point out however that what uh, we when we say mm. tudung for Indonesians it's just specifically the thing that you use to cover your food so again for listeners <laughs> um, oh. who may not be aware of the oh. Malay kampung context if you will uh, it's something often used by people to use to cover the food to make sure that the fly uh um, not come to to basically feast on your food lah so you have your you prepared your mm-hmm. meal ke ke? you have your dish you have your dishes you have your, your rice and everything and then oh, apa? Mm-hmm. maybe let's say uh, you and I kita dah habis makan tapi mousse, mousse belum balik rumah lagi dia belum makan kan you know so, uh, so we don't uh, keep it away uh, in the cupboard or in the fridge ke ke? a lot of people will just cover it with a mm-hmm. tudung so for Indonesians uh, when you say tudung yeah, tudung saji. But Indonesians when you say tudung, they think of tudung saji. Like, that's the only thing. Oh. So if they hear of of Malaysians to say macam, eh, hey, kenapa dia tak pakai tudung tu kan? You know, macam, you know, <laughs> Indonesians
1: oh get I... a
0: very different picture in their mind. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I now think like hmm okay that's that's like a Viet- Vietnamese eh
1: yeah, exactly <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs>
0: you know they probably are <laughs> <gonna be laughs> <thing> like <laughs> yeah we'll be talking about other people macam kenapa they not but they're not Vietnamese <laughs> <laughs> what, what are you talking about and then they would be like what are you talking about oh my goodness um, yeah that's Context, ladies and gentlemen, Mm -hmm. context is very, very important. Coming back to the film, this is another context. Um, There's one person Mm -mm. uh, being um, interviewed, uh, Samah Dagash, the Sudanese in the film, who spoke with a British accent. She even described using it as an act of rebellion, which I did not really come across Mm -hmm. beforehand. But basically, she Mm -hmm. talked about how she used the Tarha as a way of rebelling against what her parents wanted for her as a teenager in England. And and of course mm-hmm. you know in England if you wear something like the hijab or the headscarf, and then you walk around, you know, go to school and, and meet up with your friends wearing that, it you know it really, as you pointed out earlier, it really does stand out, and you will get mm-hmm. looks, it will attract attention, sometimes not even uh, positive attention, um, but but she, she did that as a form of rebellion, but also partly because of that, uh, she said, muchum. Like, because it seems so easy to do it's so easy to kind of put on to just in a way kind of work with it to portray a sense Mm -hmm. of modesty there's this one quote that stood out for me the tarha seems to me like an imposter in our society so I thought Mm -hmm. that was quite strong but I can kind of see where she's coming from as well there's something else though that she wouldn't mind because uh, there's another piece of clothing in, in Nora's cloth which is called the tau um I think I just defined it earlier as a traditional long piece of thin cloth that Sudanese women wrap around the body and over the head. So, I mm-hmm. guess, macam, in a way, um, sari, mm. in a kind of extended sari, perhaps, um, if, if you mm-hmm. want to imagine it in a way. But, anyways, the point is, she said that she wouldn't mind wearing this to work. Um, because this is something that she can see. She has seen people do this and it's actually a normal thing Mm -hmm. for her. Um, And I just thought of this particular term because whenever you watch a lot of uh, empowerment videos or documentaries talking about gender imbalances and whatnot, uh, a lot of Mm -hmm. people kind of bring up this question or this point that you cannot Mm -hmm. be what you cannot see. So I... I don't know whether that's something that applies here. Um, maybe if she sees somebody wearing tarha, for instance, more often in a work context, maybe that mm-hmm. is probably more okay for her, okay? Um, That 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 is basically mm-hmm. what, what she said, in a bit more of the context of uh, of what she meant, perhaps. Um, and then there's also um, just to point out that uh, a few years ago, in 2019, mm-hmm. nearly two years now, there's a viral picture of a woman, Allah Salah, who voiced out at a rally in Khartoum in Sudan against mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. The, the authorities mm-hmm. at the time and so there's this very famous picture of her standing on, on a car I think it was, and she's like singing mm-hmm. songs of, of revolution or, or trying to macam, uh, hold the, 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 the government accountable and everything and she's wearing the the white thobe and whatnot, and again, so there was mm-hmm. a lot of content created on this particular piece of clothing that um Came into the, the global consciousness, if you will, you know, partly because mm-hmm. it is something that uh, represents student movement against governments, but also because it is a woman in a context where, it, it from a Western perspective, mm. you tend not to see strong women do that kind of stuff with standing up for themselves and voicing out, and and
1: mm. you know,
0: in a more, a, um, in a more public place like that. So, so I think that that's a context in which we can kind of try to couch just how empowering and how important these pieces of clothing can be, you know, not just as uh, something to to be seen in a negative way, but also as definitely in, in mm-hmm. ways in which we can work with it more positively. So so that that is what I connect between what I see in the film and what I see in, in real life as well.
2: Traditional Sudanese garments are the tol, jalabiya Gurgab, right? And I feel like a turha is something that was brought in, you know? I think it has more to do with <clears throat> Islam than it does Sudan, if
0: that makes sense. Have we covered everything? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, think so. yeah I think we've covered everything. Mm-mm. Um,
2: Mm-mm.
0: Yeah, it's good. Ezra, we're done.
2: <laughs> yes. Hey. Oh, no, it's
0: not Eza, it's Aiza. Aiza! <laughs> we're done. <laughs> okay. Oh, very good. Yeah. Um, We've talked for a long time, but we have covered. Uh, I think we have discussed very uh, critically, and, and I think uh, very yep. importantly as well. I, I don't know how many how much content is being created on these films, but I hope that the, mm-hmm. this episode of Thoughts on Films will have created more, greater awareness about these films. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, so yeah, Ezra, any more for any more?
2: That's about it. I think we definitely touched on on the very important important issues especially this film are huh? heavy hitters they are they are, They carry very very um, bold uh, ideas and yeah I think it's interesting and thank you for all these filmmakers to make these beautiful films
0: yes absolutely and also thank you to uh, the organizers I think the curator we mentioned in the previous episode Christina Hajar and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know uh, University of Manitoba which is also the State in Canada from where Chris Jericho comes from. I mean, is it? Yeah, I mean, he's from Winnipeg, what? and Winnipeg is in Manitoba. <laughs> so, another lesson there, uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to know more okay. about North, Amer- North American geography, watch wrestling. <laughs> 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 so yeah um, oh, wow. but', but as that for now uh, it's been a, it's been good talking about these films with you Ezza we, we thank you very much um, thank
2: you likewise for,
0: for your time and your effort yes uh, and also to you dear listeners, uh, ladies and gentlemen boys and girls, children of all ages whenever and wherever you may be in the world Say goodbye Ezra.
2: Bye everyone have a good one
0: Yes indeed and it's a goodbye from me as well. Bye bye
2: everything is okay. Just wanna play, unplug for the day